listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hey folks, Travis here. Welcome to the 26th episode of the podcast. The guest on this episode is Erica Wary. Before we get to that, a small public service announcement. Recording a record is hard. Really hard. Diane Motel, the band that I co-front down here in Windsor, is finally recording our first album. We've been a band for about three years, and I've been performing publicly, although sparingly, for two. So we've definitely taken our time getting this far, so we really needed to do it and get it out of the way. Uh, For me, it's been more than six years since I've been in the studio recording original music. The last time, for my solo record outside the factory gates, I sat in the oft-mentioned Johnny West's living room with 10 or 11 songs, and Johnny and I just threw shit at the wall and figured out what would stick. Uh, As making records go, it was simple. I would lay down the acoustic guitar for a song, then the vocals, and then we would just layer things on it until we were satisfied. There wasn't much pressure, and frankly, it was easy. My first record, Bluebeard, was much the same way. Things with Diane Motel have been harder. For one, there are five of us, not just two, and five of us that all work full-time, two members with four young children between them. We're broke, so instead of hiring a producer, we bought some equipment and contributed some of our personal gear and built our own studio in the loft of Reno's Kitchen here in Windsor, which is the restaurant that our guitar player Josh Fraser owns, so that was convenient. Uh, Between Josh, Eric, and I, uh, I think we're mostly capable of producing something that sounds pretty great, and we'll definitely get it mixed and mastered by other people, but after several months of work, we're just now making real progress. On the one hand, having five people worry about how a record is going to get made is easier than worrying about it all on your own, as many of our past guests can attest to. On the other hand, finding the time to get everyone together and having the performances match what we're all collectively capable of takes so much more time, sweat, and frustration than I expected. Mic placement, room sound, varying philosophies on track, on tracking uh, what equipment to use. These are all decisions that require a lot of trial and error, and frankly, a lot of failure. That's not to say it isn't going well. I'm very proud of what we accomplished so far, and we should have the record finished no later than September, and I think it's going to sound really great, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to finally getting it out of the way. But you guys, making a record is hard. Erica Wary. Derek and I had a great conversation with her in Toronto a few weeks ago. She was very open about her life and her process of making music. We spent some time talking about her latest record with her band Erica Wary and the Alphabet, uh, called Think You're So Smart. And her performance at the end of the episode was pretty damn incredible. But before we get started on the interview, here's her hit song, the first track on her album, Think You're So Smart, a song called What? Whoa! 
that's the first thing to get over and and just to love is your own voice right as a singer song yeah yeah still don't know if i'm there but i'm definitely there <laughs> yeah but like i could listen to it now without cringing that's, that's a good, <laughs> maybe that's the best i can do yeah do you like it's funny because i was the other day i was in the car with my girlfriend and she was like can we put your cd on and i was like sure okay um <laughs> and like it doesn't bother me and and i'm you know i, I like it still mm-hmm. which i think is a good thing because a lot of people like don't then, probably probably because it's like two years old now yeah and i'm not like oh fuck that yeah um yet <laughs> but uh but i did like kind of just philosophically think about how like isn't this weird that i'm just kind of like grooving to like <laughs> to your myself own yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of weird well it, def- to it happens own? to me sometimes that i'm at work and i have my itunes in so i'm listening to just whatever random um playlist and so and it, one of my songs will come on and i'll be like oh i know this tune i love this tune and i don't remember <laughs> i don't, don't quite recognize it yeah. and i'm singing along i'm like oh it's mine yeah. <laughs> it happens it totally happens and yeah. i just because like, it's like, hilarious because like the randomizer on <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i remember the first time i heard myself with like a really good producer with really good equipment mm-hmm. and i was like who the hell's this this person's great oh wait that's me <laughs> really gets what i mean same thing yeah. was that johnny <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, it was like the first time I'd heard myself that clearly, mm-hmm. you know, and everything being in time and proper because I wasn't doing it myself in my bedroom. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of home recording and like self-producing. Well, it's so not I'm hard. Really I mean, used yeah. to it. it really all is in essentially you have to have a good song and a good performance. Yeah. And once you have that, then I mean, it can sound really nice. You mm-hmm. just play mm-hmm. record, you know, on a little. Yeah, I mean, you don't need expensive microphones. I mean, these aren't terribly expensive. No, this was bucks. Although yeah. it helps. But it I mean, helps, like yeah. a very, very, very expensive microphone is going to pick up everything really well so be it for like better good or, or, or bad, yeah, good or bad yeah. <laughs> can't so, cost you the, the lo-fi yeah. four track to take out all your right. all your mistakes i love the lo-fi sound anyway yeah. i love like, yeah, some of too. my favorite i don't know like, recordings bands some of those well even like you know guided by voices mm-hmm. some of their lo-fi stuff some of those songs are so good i can appreciate yeah the song. early early iron and wine where it's just him and a right. him and a little four track recorder it's great or even yeah like just any or who was that other one that chad van galen he does oh, yeah. all his own stuff yeah, he does, too yeah he's awesome i'm thinking of doing that for my next record do it mm-hmm. yeah if you have the skills i don't have those skills and i've got a lot of trusty friends you know anyway that i so i don't really feel like i need to yeah uh, or i'm lazy whatever <laughs> no, yeah but i have a lot of people i can go to for help uh-huh. and i'm sure yeah you know they gotta help someone so yeah <laughs> i, I was living in montreal me. and i was just about to move away and so i just kind of called in all my favors and i said I want to make a record before I leave the city. So, like, who's going to help me? <laughs> so, was it, like, a home recording that you did? No, no. It's Part of the reason why I want to go for more of a lo-fi thing for the next one is kind of just, like, a change in philosophy where I feel like so far the whole my whole goal is to take a little bit of money and make it sound like a lot of money. And now I'm just like, why don't I just, like, own the fact that I'm making a budget record? And like embrace that and embrace the imperfections that come with it. I just think mm-hmm. that you won't necessarily obvi- always be able to tell. Mm-hmm. That really does depend. You're going to you make it, right. it sound, you know, you're, there's no point in making it sound fuzzy or something just like on purpose. No, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. But I just mean like under mixing and like yeah. doing yeah. it in a studio that's not like sounding necessarily like 
Just yeah, being more there. comfortable with it, just being like, yeah, I put like no money into this. And that's okay. I, I look forward to hearing it. I mean, I honestly do appreciate. It. I hosted an open stage for a long time, and I, I really do appreciate like the song. Like, mm. certain, like I can hear it. Mm-hmm. The kernel, I, I like it. Well, that's what's great about like those early Dylan records, for instance, or Joe Pug now, who kind of has that very stripped down sound. It's just him and a guitar, and if you can make that work, it's you know you've got some you've pretty got good, good songs. songs. Well, yeah. not yeah. everyone's going to appreciate that either, though, too, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has their like. I really do love. An acoustic, solo acoustic performance, mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, if the songs are good, I would say like the early, 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 like the first Bob Dylan album wasn't mm-hmm. that good yeah. in no, terms of the songs yeah, themselves. Yeah, but yeah. he's like he's the best songwriter, really. Ever, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. he got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only because his first songs were about like love. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And. And so maybe that wasn't interesting to him enough, right? Because like mm-hmm. he would, you have to be interested in a topic to write to write about it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he got really interested, I think, in like the human condition and just like yeah. other people's stories, and exactly, he could tell yeah. them really well. Yeah. Political stories too, but yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. good at those too much. <laughs> me, it's all still love stories, but yeah. so, so, how does your first album stand up in that same regard? It's like, can you hear the first album, the fact that it's the first album when you listen back to it? Um. Well, I had one before that CD. The first one was Nothing Clearer Comes. And before that, I'd, ri- I'd done a little four-track sort of tape recording thing. And I've tried to get a copy of that, oh, yeah. Sam. I don't get to hear that. I would love to hear that. I think it was kind of cool. I played all the instruments on it. Oh, nice. And um, I remember Sam Grosso, who now owns Cadillac, used to own graffitis. And that's where I hosted the open stage. And okay. he would drive around Kensington Market like with my tape cassette playing in his like top-down convertible <laughs> played it like full blast throughout the market and so I actually called him up a few years ago and I said you know you don't still have a copy of that do you and he just like laughed in my face <laughs> no. was like, no. it was a long time ago when was it um well the t- this first cd I did was 2004 the end of 2004 and we got a review in now magazine 2005 was the mm. date but they really liked that album they got four ends and um but to answer your question, so it was before that. It was before that. Yeah. But um, to answer your question about that one, nothing clearer comes if it sort of. I remember feeling like I'd learned a lesson a hard way after that album came out because I would listen back and some of the lyrics I was like, oh, that's so cheesy. And so some <laughs> of those lyrics captured on that album, uh-huh. we I changed them a lot right after that came out. And so we would still do those songs, but I would sing them with like a different line that yeah. sounded the same. It would rhyme, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, yeah. but it'd be a right. different word. It'd possibly more mature. <laughs> Better, like, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. As far as I was concerned, better. So, do you think that's interesting to me? Because do you think that you didn't notice that until after? It well, was I see, yeah, released. I felt like after that, I still had did that a bit on the second album mm-hmm. on Time on Our Hands. I did that a little bit, but I was more conscious of it, and I said, "There's no way I'm going to regret a single line on this one." And you then know? you did, but not as many. <laughs> there are right? a couple. There's one song that it bugs me, like okay. just a corny line, really, really. So, what's the switch that happens once something's released that allows you then to realize? Well, I think with the first record, I didn't really do any pre-production. Like, I hadn't really heard the songs mm-hmm. out oh, besides in my own head. Right. Yeah, you know. So, okay. listening, recording them, even just on your own little like yeah, hearing them back is very phone, important. Listening. Yeah to them yeah you have to know you have to hear it and they almost have to give it a few days i find if i write something and record it on my phone i have to like okay go go away for a couple days yeah yeah come back to it do i still like this can i still work with it and it's hard to settle on a melody for me Mm -hmm. i play around Mm -hmm. with a melody a lot i mean melody can be anything yeah and it's so so important too yeah yeah still playing and then i do feel like after it's recorded that's sort of like it you know Mm -hmm. so gotta think about it a bit yeah it's tough and it takes a while. It's a, like I write a lot and like publish uh, 
columns and stuff. And for a while, it like it took me a long time to develop the ability to judge my own work properly before it gets released. I was always yeah. good at judging it after it right. gets released. Yes. <laughs> but did that have anything to do with like someone else commenting on it, do you think? Or you just were able to look at it no. more critically after? I'm sure that's a factor, but I think mainly it's just like I was able to like do something and then go step outside of myself a little bit better mm-hmm. and just look at it critically. And maybe just seeing it in a different, having... like not seeing it on your screen, but seeing it on a book or, or yeah, see it in right. a different context. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a psych- there's something subconscious about like knowing that it's public too that allows me to be. It's like, oh, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah. more critical of yourself and you like it less maybe after. Yeah, sometimes. Or you love it more. Well, I think now I've developed the ability to to re- to know before I release. You self edit. Yeah. Basically, it's good enough. It's yeah, good enough. Yeah, but it took me a while to get. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't like you know sweat over every little thing either. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm talking about an article, obviously a song. I'm not that. You know what I mean, though. Like, you probably mm-hmm. write a lot more articles than songs are supposed to have a little bit more time put into them yeah and every single thing you're doing in a song at least on the recorded version should be exactly what you want it to be should be very intentional yeah who was it there was a band i was listening to in an interview what band was it it was interesting uh oh yeah the savages do you know that band they were on uh, the radio the other day and the tunes were really heavy like really um intense sounding songs but they said they record everything only in like you know in a way so that they can re- re- repeat it on stage like they won't do anything that they can't they can't do yeah which stage. is pretty old fashioned which is cool you know a lot of bands don't do that <clears throat> my uh-uh. my new album is full of horns horn sections which probably will never be yeah. performed live but we can try to capture <laughs> right. some of those parts yeah. on different instruments you know the lines i'll even mm-hmm. like hum one of the horn lines or something but mm-hmm. it's just fun to make something that's like they said they were tempted but they wanted to you know refrain because like mm-hmm. you know once you open that envelope like you know yeah. it's endless you can just keep adding tons of stuff which oh, yeah. i just basically had some really great guys come in and girls and play on the songs and mm-hmm. you know it's but a the, moment this is an interesting thing because i find I, I go between the between the two sometimes i want to do the more stripped down version like derek was talking about where it's just this is exactly what it is and other times I, li- I like the idea of taking a kernel of a song and sort of expanding upon it in the studio and adding things that I wouldn't normally add onto it just to see where it goes. Yeah, adding, adding bits it. and parts to sort of like arrange it. Mm-hmm. I find it depends on the it. song and what I'm going for if I want to like flip between mm-hmm. those two extremes. Yeah, because there's two philosophies that I, that I really kind of agree with both of them. Like on the one hand, there's the idea that an album should capture the live show. a band or an artist being, its, you know, true and honest and like direct mm-hmm. and then there's the other hand that like well an album's and a live show are two different mediums yeah and oh, two different opportunities differently yeah and the lyrics are more important I than the recorded a, i would say i mean the, the lyric can be way more important on the recorded album mm-hmm. like people can sit in their living room and that's true they're gonna listen hear everything to the word. yeah when you're playing live it. you can screw them up you can forget them yeah. and people probably can't hear them anyway <laughs> depending on the venue and depending yeah. on how good the sound is but if you're playing at a loud bar you can basically replace the lyrics with nonsense and nobody would know, know the difference. Which is, we were sort of talking about that the other day, but yeah. it kind of defeats almost, like it, may, it makes it easy, harder to become, you know, be successful or popular as a band if you're so lyric oriented. Yeah, it and depends that's, that's so me. much. Yeah, that's, that's me. It's like, like <laughs> I'm so dependent on the, on the lyrics. lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. 
it's harder for me to play in loud bars just because it's like, eh, you're not really getting the full. But you know, there's always <laughs> someone listening. You got to remember that. And yeah, it's pretty you know, much true always too. true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always try to be, you know, uh, aware of that and mm-hmm. try to let the band know I'm listening if mm-hmm. I am. But I'm guilty too sometimes of. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not go hear a band if I'm not in the mood to listen. Yeah. You know, let's go somewhere else. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go somewhere where it's not as loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how long. Uh, did you grow up in Toronto? Or? I grew up in Toronto, and I didn't always play music, so my approach is a little different to music. It's kind of like untrained, <laughs> and uh, some, yeah, of, some, of, some well, of the I chords prefer, are. Uh, I prefer self-trained. Okay, <laughs> untrained. Yeah, I'm becoming a bit more self-trained. Well, influenced by friends who play music, mm-hmm. and but some of the chords even on on the tune that we heard list at the out at the intro to the our day to what we're doing here today that song even when Bryden heard it the, the horn player I was like hmm you got some interesting chords on that one yeah. the, the new tune <laughs> yes okay yeah. tell us about that one a little bit because we just heard it about the chords about the new song well just, just in general um, it's it's on the new record which is going to be called Avowal mm-hmm. and it's a play on one of the song titles because another song um, is called a vowel, <laughs> spelled differently. Like mm-hmm. the title of the album is two words, a vowel, and the band uh, name is Alphabet, the Alphabet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's that. That wasn't a connection I made. The bass player Wes said, "Oh yeah, well you could call it a vowel because we're called the Alphabet." And I thought, well, that's not why. I just wanted to like do a play on <laughs> yeah. the other song. Right. And it's a little too cute, maybe, but a lot of our song uh, album titles are like or have that sort of quality like mm-hmm. think you're so smart was the last one mm-hmm. but but the record itself um, i have a whole bunch of other songs that aren't recorded yet and we're hope, hoping to record them probably in july and the title of that one might be called Cruisin' for a Bruisin', <laughs> which is a title track but these songs are all ones that came out like all sort of at once Instead of last Labor, and it's Day, a full length? Labor Day weekend, it's an EP. It's got eight songs. Okay, well, it's long. Seven enough. songs and then one old thing that I recorded in a different band. And I just threw it at the end. Mm-hmm. Like you got to try to like throw those things on places yeah, just when like you a, can, mm-hmm. right? One like, unexpected thing. Yeah. On mm-hmm. a record. Is Again, it's nice. like yeah. treating like you, you know, referring to your philosophy, like it being a, sort of a, an event unto itself. The the album, like you can mm-hmm. do something that you'll never perform live. Mm-hmm. Throw it on, right? So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the, it is does sort of like capture a time, and all the songs are sort of on the theme of like sort of a breakup, I guess. But it's positive; it's pretty positive sounding. Mm-hmm. Which and the reason for that is because I was feeling pretty down when I wrote those songs, but then, you know, I felt like oh, I fell in love again, and I re-edited like a lot of the lyric, and I made it way more positive in mm-hmm. a cool way. So okay. I think the way things like happened the timing of things and the recording process how long it takes before you actually go in and sing the lyrics sometimes yeah, yeah. it worked out really well yeah for the message and for that album so that's the second time you've mentioned editing <laughs> editing songs. is important less is more a lot of people don't do that yeah you know. maybe i'm wrong but i find no for, no for i'm, me I'm anyway. not that. i you know, i love I editing <laughs> took a creative writing course at ottawa u um, sort of poetry course, I guess. But that's the one thing I took away from that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in poetry. That, and you that's own it, right? I mean, it's, they're your songs. You can do whatever you want with them. I can do what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Although I change them a lot sometimes. And like Kate, the drummer, she'll be like, I liked it better before. And that's hard to mm-hmm. hear. But she mm-hmm. also is like used to it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll change the lyric or I'll change the melody and it just pisses her off because she's got it down. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. gets it down like, like this, oh, you yeah. know? <laughs> so there's probably a little element of that to it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I do listen to her and I got to, sometimes you just got to move on. Write a new song if you want. Don't mm-hmm. keep changing the songs you have done. Actually, that's yeah. a lesson I learned. I have a really bad habit yeah. of doing that. Just go songs forward. Songs I have five versions now or something. <laughs> just keep rewriting them and I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah, that can yeah. be really uh, 
tiring anyway to do that. Well, part of the problem for me with that is that I write a lot of songs and I record very infrequently. So, so you have a lot of mainly for financial reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I still can because like once I record something, then I feel like then you I feel on. like that's the final step of the writing. Yeah, process. the idea of of keeping working on something until you've actually got it down right mm-hmm. and then, oh yeah and then I, was, go. <laughs> I was gonna come around to how you're just you're releasing like a long ep mm-hmm. and talking about going back into the studio i know because i like have how... the songs and like i say if because we hadn't recorded anything since that think you're so smart which was 2013 so i <laughs> yeah, still so had all a... the songs i've written since then and that's what we were going to record but then all of a sudden this like you know my life turned upside down and i wrote all these songs like seven songs and i thought let's just put them on i wanted to record them Mm-hmm. instead of the other ones as like yeah and i thought it would just be this two-week little like short project but it turned into this like you know big long thing and bride and beard came in and played and so it became more epic sounding and i, I really like the sound of it it's very chill it's mellow and um it's like you know positive sounding mm-hmm. the, one of the guys who helped me work on it um steve mckay from he's got a studio called exeter sound he just it was like chill house party mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's his description. That's like the nice. descriptive tag for the for the record, and yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I don't know. The next one might be. It's all, all my albums are like mis mix mash, like mashed up all these different genres, and mm-hmm. they're all Erica Wary songs, so they all have a thread. Yeah, but, but that's. Do you but find you said your your life got you got flipped upside down? Do you find that that's uh, that that's how you write? You'll write in bunches based on some some area or some point yeah, in your life so. that you're in. Yeah, catalyst. Hmm. Hmm. Or, you know, like all my songs, a lot of my songs, there's some, I wrote a song for my grandmother and things like that. Like, they're very nostalgic, some of, most of them. But I was going to say all of them have a tendency to be about, you know, the search for, or a longing for whatever that elusive thing is, like mm-hmm, the, right. what, the meaning to life <laughs> or the happiness, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I, I mean, that. and that's the human condition really i guess mm-hmm. so i mean it's not unusual you write about that but i don't know i still haven't despaired of finding an answer someday but then the, the songs will be over at that point right yeah <laughs> i would think so yeah. yeah who knows but one thing i was going to say is i never did really play music i always would do um a lot a lot of classical and modern and jazz dance a mm-hmm. lot of performance okay. and um even up until like after Ottawa U, I would go to I went to Montreal UCAM in Montreal and I was dancing there, and I just sort of like gave up on I decided to quit dancing because I'd go to a couple auditions and they needed one dancer and literally there'd be like six hundred people mm-hmm. my number on my thing would be like five hundred <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was just like this is not gonna yeah. happen I mean I could still I still enjoy dancing in classes and exercise but yeah. mm-hmm. so I just decided to pick up the guitar and. And I, so that's the thing. One thing I miss now in my life is being like just a music lover, mm-hmm. a spectator, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. yeah. I'd be so sentimental about songs, so nostalgic and I'd love, like I'd cry. Certain Jackson Brown tunes will just make me weep. Mm-hmm. And I that's, they still do. But it's changed a little bit. Like once you're now on the yeah. other side and you're now you part know too of much. it, yeah. it's like so more of a job. So you find that's gone, that sentimentality is kind of faded? Well, I'm still like a... I can be blown away by a song, so it's not even like I can, and I enjoy that. And maybe I just miss that—that that that's all it was. That's all right. it, I kind of miss just being a bit more naive about it, or 
ignorant or mm-hmm. you know that's a weird thing to say mm-hmm. because it's so it was so special to me like i was always such a music fan my mom would mm-hmm. say like whenever we were somewhere as a kid and there was a band playing so i find it's weird that i never took any you know never played anything myself but i would always be just mesmerized by the band and so when did you when did you start playing and what did you start playing um guitar did you stay in actually Montreal i started for... with bass i was in a band in ottawa mm-hmm. yeah and i was just playing really melodic melodic mm-hmm. bass lines like i remember mike hopkins my my first uh, kind of influence musically, because he would host this open stage in Ottawa, and, and I'd go to hang out with him, and everyone would get up, like, you know, every week there'd be just a string of people getting up, and I was just sitting there, and I kind of was just, not bored, but I thought, like, I could maybe do this, because like, not that, everyone yeah. was awesome, right? It's like, yeah. I could be as good as that person, at least, probably, so I went up, and I was so nervous, and uh, <laughs> but this, that's where it sort of started. So this and, is in university, then? Yeah, and yeah. that's when I sort of had a guitar and I would do that. But I think my first before that, maybe, or around the same time, I had a bass. I bought a bass at um, Songbird in Ottawa, which was like the original Songbird. Mm. And um, <clears throat> I played in a band, and it was fun. We rehearsed for a whole year, and then we played our first gig <laughs> mm-hmm. at Somerset, Duke's Somerset, whatever it was called in Ottawa. But yeah, I mean, that was fun. Um, I don't think I was ever, I never really mastered or grasped, grasped the bass properly until like maybe I'd play it better now, possibly. Mm-hmm. Like I was just playing like the root notes or... Right. <laughs> yeah. So no, I remember those days. So when you did start playing guitar, the singing just was automatically part of that? Like it just sort of had... I guess so, because I was yeah. performing a song. Like I wrote a song. I remember the first song I wrote. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was on that four track oh yeah tape yeah. <laughs> that doesn't i don't remember it actually anymore i remember it but i don't remember it mm-hmm. and there was another one that my friend Lori wanted to cover from that little tape cassette and so you know it must have been okay if she wanted to cover it yeah. <laughs> but i can't remember it for the life of me like <laughs> something about ontario street in montreal mm. so that's kind of that's like one of my biggest frustrations is forgetting songs yeah like maybe too. that haven't been recorded and you just have to like it's like ah oh, let it go i guess mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't even know how i did it because now i get a melody in my head and I, I record it on my phone but you know i only got a phone in 2008 yeah what was i doing before that like how did i remember those songs <laughs> i used to call back to my answering machine sometimes oh, yeah. like or i mean there were always ways to record but mm-hmm. yeah. tape cassette remember making old tapes and stuff like that from the radio mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah my parents got me a boss uh like digital thing when i was 12 yeah or something for me to start and cool. that, that's what started it and i just started becoming like it was really annoying to use because it was mm-hmm. just not well there's another little wheel on it and everything yeah one yeah. of those things and um but i've been like that started a whole thing for me like the, the arrangements and the multi-layering and me be kind of inspiring me to become a multi-instrumentalist so it was a it was a recording like it was like a eight track kind of thing or more than that like it was like a dig- no it's digital eight track uh, yeah okay little, yeah. No, it was. Thing. It's fun to work with those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's this one. <clears throat> oh, you still got it. So, yeah. anyway. <laughs> so do you use it, or is it just sitting there as like decoration? It has a really <clears throat> great. Sometimes I use it as a um, reverb box. Okay. It has a really great built-in reverb. So sometimes when I'm recording, I just run the channel cool. through there. Well, it's good to know those Record that. Yeah. Um, so that's why I hold on to it. Hmm. But yeah. Um, were you in Montreal for a while? I was there for half a year, like a two semesters. Okay, it was pretty quick. I was there pretty mm-hmm. quick. I mean, was that the only time I lived there? I do like Montreal. Mm-hmm. I was there for like a winter, freezing cold winter, and then a spring or something. And then I went uh, and worked at this rafting camp. Mm-hmm. I, ran, I ran into an old bluegrass musician friend of mine in Montreal. Mm-hmm. 
um, Terry Joe Rodriguez, and he said, yeah, I'm working at this rafting camp, you know, you should come up. And I'd always done a lot of whitewater canoeing as a kid. <clears throat> so I figured, yeah, okay, whitewater, I know that. I'm, even, I swear, <laughs> when I first saw I never rafted. And when I, I was like picturing like a wooden raft. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I got up there, and they, I saw, the, it was with spring, like the rookie training, and they wanted us to go down this massive canyon like I was turned to everyone else in the group and I said oh don't worry they're just joking they're just trying to scare us <laughs> but nope. actually that's where we had to go down it was terrifying oh, yeah. <laughs> it was insane and but I did that to- for a while like I did that for like four or five summers in a row oh okay yeah cool and then back to uh, Toronto after that and then I, yeah and then I went back to Toronto like in between like that that place was close to Montreal so I'd spend the summers there right. and then just yeah I went to U of T after that actually for in, in English Oh. English lit. I took a English lit and creative writing. At U of T? No, I U Windsor. Oh yeah. Yeah, but that's Windsor, not uh, where is that other? Where is? Oh no, I'm thinking London, Western. Mm. Yeah, that's it's London. London. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, no, I liked studying. I liked the literature studies at Ottawa U actually. My undergrad more than the mm. math. I did a master's at U of T. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It just it. I don't know. Maybe I was sick of it by then or something. But. It was really easy to get. It didn't seem as involved or mm-hmm. as inspiring. Mm-hmm. Huh. And in Ottawa, I was like taking French as well. So I like, guess a yeah, francophone. It's right. yeah. and it's a bilingual university. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I tried to get out of the program a couple times. Like, oh, that was just too hard, you know? Because yeah. I was the only Anglophone. I was studying with Francophones yeah. in right. like, like honors literature. So that's Francaise was. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, no, it's too hard. I finally just like, screw this. Why am I going to do this anyway? What is it? Gonna, it's just going <laughs> to prove something to myself once again. Right. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. So I went to the French office. I was just going to get out of it. Like, okay. why bother? And then the girl, the woman who was, I guess, like head of the French department had taught me in the first year some class. And she probably thought it was kind of cool to have this Angl- Anglophone. I don't know. Anyway, she refused. She's like, you can do it. She refused. <laughs> well, she, she was like, you can do it. So I ended up like finishing that degree by, I was, I would select the courses like literally by how easy they could possibly yeah. be. Like oh, I was okay. trying to do all bird courses or yeah. like, creative courses. And cause I, I think at that point, the one that was killing me was some philosophy course in mm. French. It was, you know, Freud or something. Yeah. And I don't hard, even, hard enough in English, let alone exactly. <laughs> trying to translate everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even translating. Like, I, I can, I was even better then at French, but I like reading just like a French novel. It's not like I have to translate it yeah, so yeah. much. Okay. But, you know, it was, it's fun. I do mm-hmm. love French. Mm-hmm. I have not written a song. I wrote a pretty cool song once in French, and it's one of the ones I've forgotten. I liked a mm-hmm. couple of the words <laughs> and the turns of phrases that I used and stuff, but mm-hmm. I keep thinking I should. If I were, would, were more motivated and had like was smarter, I'd write a bunch of French <laughs> songs and then go for like the French grants, because yeah. there's so oh, many there's more of them. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, like forget the singer-songwriter grants. Yeah. Get back, get into the uh, Quebec star system. I know, Make and they, just, they just love their stars <laughs> they there. They do, yeah. Although, when I was at UCAM, Université de Québec in Montreal, I had my little accent in French, and uh, they couldn't quite place it. Like, all of my mm-hmm. dance colleagues there were sort of, you know, they thought I was from Sweden. Like, are you Swedish? <laughs> and I just said, yeah, I went along with it. Because yeah, they, yeah. they <laughs> hated people from Toronto. Yeah, they of course. Right. So, I might as well. I was like, oh, I might as well go with that. <laughs> so... That's pretty funny. Yeah, you ran with that. 
Mm-hmm. So when you were at U of T, were you writing songs yet at that point? I'm trying or? to think. Yeah, I had I had started because I started at the in the undergrad, but I never really took it too seriously. And I have to say, I mean, it's crazy to say you take it seriously. Like even the other day up in at the mastering studio with Noah, Noah Mintz, I sort of said, well, it's just sort of a expensive hobby, really. And he said, oh, it, it is the same for everyone because he, yeah, he yeah. writes songs too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, but it, but I I took it more seriously on behalf of my bandmates once I had a band because yeah. they uh, were all very serious and I was like you know they're they just loved my songs apparently and, mm-hmm. and they helped me like Ryan Fairhead who I did the first album with like he produced it he's a really talented mm-hmm. guitar player and I guess producer really mm-hmm. also um, so like you know I had to sort of like do my best and for them I felt and I still feel that way if I didn't have such a great band that played with me still like for free all the time I don't know if I'd have as much um, love for it yeah even though I love performing solo as well I hardly ever do solo like I'd usually do at least a duo Mm -hmm. because I'm not like you know like even just when I do a duo performance it's either with the double bass player Wes Neal or usually it's with Mike Hopkins who plays classical guitar Mm -hmm. Um, when we play with a band he'll play electric but just doing a duo performance with him on like the nylon strings Mm -hmm. sounds so good yeah you know so I would why would I play solo like I'm not really like enough of a player I don't think (laughs) to do to pull it off solo but sometimes anyway um so it's just a hobby. So what do you do as a day job then? Well, I mean, I do, um, I work at a restaurant as well. Okay. But I was going to say, it's as much a hobby for me as probably everyone else who yeah. writes songs. Yeah. Right? Like just everyone, the way you phrased it made it, made it seem yeah. like there's there something else you're doing. I mean, doing. I was joking around about that with, <laughs> with Noah. I mean, it, it's it's necessarily a hobby because yeah. it's not the very lucrative exactly, business yeah. at this point. But. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, you I make money. I don't mind working at a restaurant at, at I don't find it's like shameful to be a, a master's degree, like a master's mm-hmm. um, graduate serving beer. I don't think I'm no. the only one. Oh, God, no. I'm on my third degree and I still don't really have lucrative paying jobs. So. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of degrees. <laughs> but you're still in the school. I'm still so in school, but yeah, but different. we'll talk to me in two years when I have a PhD <laughs> and I'm working and I'm serving beer. <laughs> like the, the hard thing is you want to f- continue to be inspired and to feel like motivated and like you're doing something yeah. worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So having like the bandmates behind me helps me to feel that way, like as far as the music goes. Mm-hmm. And if I were only working as a bartender, I don't know, I might feel, I have my odd days of feeling pretty down mm-hmm. and questioning like all my choices. Yeah. Why am I doing this? But it's just a question of fulfillment, <laughs> isn't it? And yeah. Like if music yeah. is the thing that gives you your fulfillment. I love performing. Then it doesn't matter what's paying the bills. I love playing the shows. Those, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I'm, know. I'm almost asking because I'm trying to figure out what I should do with my life. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I felt before... I like, want to validate. I've always felt I would do something at some point that was different, you know? But I don't, Different from music? Yeah, from, like, what I do now, which is I'll play, like, the odd show. And it does take a lot of energy and time and effort mm-hmm. to, to play a show. Mm-hmm. So getting, you know, a rehearsal together and even just thinking about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's fun. It takes up a lot of time. Yeah. So it takes up so much time. I'm wondering, do I want to spend any of that time on something else? Because, mm-hmm. like, if I don't spend that time on the, sh- the gig the gig won't go well so there's no point in doing it yeah, so it's a right. question of doing it or not doing it and doing mm-hmm. it the way i'm doing it now or, or not doing it mm-hmm. so and i don't really have anything else that's jumping out mm-hmm. of the woodwork to do instead mm-hmm. you know i don't think like a career move at this point was going to be like i mean i just don't even have like 
the energy to do any like you know people say oh you can still go back to school I'm like no I've done enough school <laughs> and my problem was I don't know if it was a mistake or not but studying literature mm-hmm. you know it's like kind of fun I still love reading books yeah and I'll read and them it must critically help too. it must help with the songwriting I guess you know what most of my inspiration sometimes yeah I've mm-hmm. lately been inspired by I'll catch like phrases people saying on the street mm-hmm. and um or almost listen in on other people's conversations. And a little bit, I've been trying to pay a little bit more attention lately to things going on around me, people, what they're saying, what's going on, and, and towards like feeling something. If I feel anything and I have a message I want to say, then I'll write a song. Mm-hmm. But So you go in usually with intention of like what the song's going to be about? Yeah, or? usually I'll have it. Usually it's me. Like I just want to express like one little thing. And I always think that if I'm expressing this one thing and it's usually, you know, relationship oriented, or I'll say like, Everyone's got to feel that. Like, you know, every, yeah. everyone feels this. If you then, feel it, mm-hmm. other people yeah, feel it too. That's I it. think yeah. so. So the, the key is like being able to express it really well mm-hmm. in a way that everyone can relate. Mm-hmm. Like classic people that are really good at that. Like first thing, it's observing it mm-hmm. and then expressing it. And you know, like Shakespeare is someone's classic example. Like he was, he just like nails everything. Like all these human things, mm-hmm. like, you know, in his like hilarious plays and stuff. And it's the thing about... What's, what makes me laugh about Shakespeare is there's the whole debate about like how did he know all these things and how did he know about you know because he wasn't known to be a traveler either like they don't have records of him oh really leaving the country yeah, he was so insightful and he wrote like, about mm-hmm. Denmark and Italy and like all kinds of stuff um, I didn't know that but that the debate makes me laugh because I'm like it doesn't it's you're missing the point. The reason why his plays work is because he's, it's the humanity. He knows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the setting is like really secondary. Yeah. And it's even not just knowing, like I say, he was able to express it like so well. Mm-hmm. He just nails it all the time. Yeah. yeah. And like Joni Mitchell is another person who... Mm-hmm. But in terms of that, that, that sort of, uh, you know, tapping into humanity, like really that's what you're doing when you're mm-hmm. trying to, trying to relate that stuff. It's not even necessarily that it's happened to you, but if you can, if you have that feeling of empathy, you can kind of mm-hmm. relay it in a song. That's probably the important thing is believing, right? Having conviction. Mm-hmm. We're talking about songwriting in general. Is if like if you yeah. are, con- you know, convinced and um, feel pretty strongly about what you're singing about, you'll probably have a good song. Mm-hmm. If you have a nice melody and mm-hmm. a nice mm-hmm. structure of verse, chorus, <laughs> verse, chorus, bridge, so verse, beyond, chorus. So beyond the actual <laughs> songwriting stage, um, you were mentioning earlier about how like, oh, this new album is like a mellow album. Yeah. And you seem to be implying that like there's distinctions in sound album to album for you well i love i wouldn't even say album to album because I, I was going to say before i also said song. that my records are like sometimes there's a not like the super mellow song and then but i've tried in the like not too distant uh past to even just for the sake of the performance like the live bar show mm-hmm. to write a few more upbeat songs and i mm-hmm. love power pop and everything like that mm-hmm. but you know, so at one point, I think I just wanted to be like a total rocker and, you know, punk rocker and, you know, as so I wrote that one tune, what? But I just don't <laughs> think it's me. Like, I like that tune. It's everyone's favorite song. It was everyone's <laughs> favorite song for a while, but... It comes around to what you were just saying. Like, to, to me, the thing about that song is it sounds very convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it doesn't... You can usually tell when somebody's putting something on. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I think that that's right? not too. Like, the lyrics like are just like they actually happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I basically have my song saying what someone else said to me, and it's just like, it's hilarious. It's a response. So, yeah. yeah, that's what makes that song work as well. And I do, like, I like the band version 
like there's that one recorded version with Ian Blurton and you know it's all kind of produced and sounds different the band version sort of straight up is also like I really like it. it's fiery mm-hmm. but and it's fun to play it live but I don't know I think really me truly are the more mellow 3-4 mm-hmm. song meandering yeah hopeful well it's interesting because that that album it starts off with what and then the second song which I'm blanking on the name um, but but it's it's a totally different song. Sounds completely different. The third song sounds completely different from the first two. But it's all it's all you. Like yeah. It feel it. None of it feels unnatural. None of it feels like it's out of place. Like you're able to sort of be a chameleon in that way. It's one thing that's different from this that album to this one is uh, this one. It's actually you know we played to a click. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's produced. There's overdubs and it sounds like it's richer. Um, that one was us just playing the songs yeah. live. Yeah, generally. <laughs> at the, we got to go into the woodshed. Like that was a really cool story behind that record. And I was almost like, oh shit, like let's put it out. People like it, so so it's okay. And I'm glad. But we were just jamming out. Um, um, Tim Vesely, who used to be in the Real Statics, he's an old friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I rented him at a Christmas party, and he said to come down to the Woodshed Studio, which is like Blue Rodeo Studio, mm-hmm. and uh, record a few songs if I want, because he, <laughs> he has the keys, he's the house engineer. Oh my so I showed up, I was like, okay, how about Saturday? So I showed up with my, all my band, and I was like, we have 15 songs. How and fast can we do 15 songs? <laughs> yeah. He was just like overblown, he couldn't, I just his face, and he ended up actually mixing them. Mm-hmm. So he got into it, which was great. And... Uh, but I don't he think that was, that was not his plan. Like, that's not no. what he invited me He's to like, do. come down and do one song by Two yourself. or three songs by myself. I know. Yeah, right. I showed up and we did 15 songs with the band. Oh yeah. But, uh, so that's the secret to getting an album. Just like yeah. showing just up and like saying, shove it in there. This is what's happening now. <laughs> Can't take it back now. He's so talented. He's a great singer. Um, he wrote some great songs for the Rio Statics. And I did convince mm-hmm. him to play at our CD release for that uh, album release for that show he played a solo set like opening and uh, I told that story at that night so he was there so it's like it's, mm-hmm. it's funny it's a joke nice. it is true but <laughs> it's also true but he sounded great yeah it's good to hear him I don't think he plays much anymore so it took some convincing mm-hmm. well they're getting back together right isn't that a thing they've actually been playing a few shows yeah, yeah, recently so, yeah, now they've so, Massey yeah. Hall next yeah. month is it I'm sure he's into that he just he did yeah. his own thing which was great after they broke up like um, Violet Archer mm-hmm. Violet Archers I think and um great like great records and everything but you know it, once you're used to all the success and the attention you're probably touring with the Rio Statics mm-hmm. it was just not happening starting back at square one seems kind of difficult yeah, at that so point. I think he just made a decision a financial decision as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't know that's what, that's what I mean like I've been able to avoid having to do that because I have no responsibilities you know like he's married he's got a couple kids I think so you can't really just continue playing music and following yeah. that dream if it doesn't start to like kind of pay off I think Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have people relying on you. Yeah. Like, that's one thing I don't bandmates. really have. And that's when, you know, that kind of comes around to the idea of fulfillment. Is it fulfilling to have absolutely no responsibilities? Like, I think it depends on the person, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And also, the grass is always greener. I do think that's one thing to always keep in mind, you know. Mm-hmm. So I remind myself that of that a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm generally speaking more of like a lover than a hater, you know, happy, yeah. a happy girl, more or less. And that's good. And I think that that one of my roles in life, I've told myself before, more before than now, because I don't know, but it's just to like kind of impart some, like share that, mm-hmm. share the wealth of happiness and just be a good vibe, mm-hmm. be, you know, that- which is a bit of a pressure sometimes on yourself. But, but I have thought that very clearly in so many words to myself before. 
because you know like that's my responsibility is just like help people help people out by being positive you know and then I obviously have my days of like I'm so mad but (laughs) is that behind the uh adapting your most the the songs for the vowel to be a little more joyful well some of yeah uh not really like I don't think of that when I'm writing songs, like I'll just write a song and can be as miserable as I want it to be. That's fine. But I just mean like when I'm hanging around day to day, like try to be a positive. Because mm-hmm. everyone, that's what I mean. I don't have it too bad. Like some people have so much in their lives. Like, you know, knock on wood, anything could happen to me tomorrow too, right? But there's all these people coming down with like cancer and etc. Like I can't believe all these horror stories like that I know mm-hmm. personally, and it just makes me feel so bad. So I try to like you know do what I can, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, you but, mentioned that, that for that album, you, you fell in love again, and so that Yes, sort of, I did. What you I took, mean, like, you, the you thing took these is, songs that were about heartbreak, and you sort of affixed them to your current The thing state. about love, <laughs> the thing about feeling in love, is so, it's so intense, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm so... It's torturous. I like yeah. feeling... Like, even I felt that way about, like, somebody new, and nothing came of it. But yeah. I felt, I was convinced that I was in love, yeah. you know? It's that pining yeah, that you get. Yeah, but it's even just feeling happy. And, like, it's, like, a reason to get up. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's like kind of a... It's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter. I like to be in love. Like, mm-hmm. so even if it doesn't, like, pan out, then eventually then you're okay. You're not in love again, and it kind of sucks. But mm-hmm. just, See, like... I find, I find the, the time I'm most creative songwriting-wise is when I've, like, just been broken up with. Yeah. Where it's <laughs> not... Where, where the, the depression hasn't really set in yet, but you've got that low-level pining. And not, not breaking up with, like, a serious relationship, but that thing that you thought might go somewhere and mm-hmm. then it just doesn't suddenly. Yeah. And you get that little bit of a pining feeling. That's, like, perfect songwriting juice for me. It's, or like, it's right almost there. like a, like, a fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Vibe yeah. or something. And that energy. can be a bit creative. There's a lot, there's a lot of energy. Whether it's... Whether it's, po- yeah. it's like a mixture of both positive and negative yeah, energy. Yeah. It's just this sort of, like... You know, that's that's right. That's the sweet spot for me. It can't be too debilitating. It can't be crazy full on depression. But there's just that little bit of like low level pining. That's that's yeah the perfect level. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's tough. Like I sometimes wonder, like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, is, am I like writing these songs because I'm the kind of person that you know can't be in a relationship, or I don't know. Like, I don't think about it that much. I guess, but. I do wonder. As long as you're not starting to practice like self sabotage in order to write songs. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Which okay, has you been know what? That. that is that's what I was trying to get at. That's the question I needed to hear because it's true. Mm. Like I make the craziest choices. Yeah. Like we've both talked about that before too. <laughs> like what am I thinking? You know, yeah. and then I get like a whole album yeah. worth of songs. <laughs> and that's what you were doing. <laughs> you even know? if it's subconscious. Like, just there, that's it. You just said it. Yeah. I don't think I did it intentionally. I would have rather not have the songs, I think. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. See that's But the where grass I don't is know. always greener though, right? <laughs> you know, there's still like tomorrow. <laughs> there's always tomorrow and I don't know. It'll be worse tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I know that Derek and I have both talked about how we've consciously made bad decisions because we knew a good song would come out of it. Oh yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I never have. I'm not sure. I would say consciously. Yeah, I, I have definitely retrospect. done it. Yeah, I've definitely done it consciously. Yeah, but maybe I still retrospect think it was a subconsciously. Bit, yeah. yeah. At the very least, I'm going to enjoy it now, even if it ends terribly, and then I'll be able to get the song out of it. Yeah, when it yeah. ends terribly. <laughs> I know. I always plunge feet first, and I. Have mm-hmm. total face. Yeah. <laughs> that's good though, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. No, I do. I do think that's good. I think I have a lot of self doubt, and maybe that's the reason I haven't made the record I want to make yet. I haven't started. I haven't mm-hmm. 
broken ground yet. But you mean but doubt about yourself uh, just in the songwriting or in your experience? No, I feel good about the songs. Yeah. But in the, I guess the self-discipline maybe. Well, once the songs are done, that's sort of the hard part. Then you can record them. You just take them like that. Yeah, sort of the that's pressure's be, off of your shoulders. The problem is the songs. It's getting the songs yeah, that I like, getting them where I want them, making mm-hmm. sure they're relatively cohesive, they'll fit on an album together. That's the hardest part for me. Once I have that... I actually know. don't worry about that too much. And you'll see, like on my albums, there's a lot of stuff all thrown in together. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's a good thing or necessarily... So you're not an album maker then, generally uh, speaking? I just sort of, the songs that I've written that are ready to go, put them on. Yeah. yeah. Although a vowel is consciously kind of a single... Except for that eighth track, right? Yeah. Is like yeah, yeah. There's a theme to that one. It's true. The eighth mm-hmm. song kind of songs written throws about it out, one subject in a way. Yeah, yeah. What do you? So that's number five now, right? Yeah. Um, what? How does that look now? As someone who's made quite a lot of albums already. I know so um, many. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. How does it look when you go in and like, okay, I'm gonna go make another album like what's going to happen in july well july what's is just this thing the reason it's coming up is because the mastering studio we went to um the engineer does this thing with bands every month he has a different band come in and he does a sort of live off the floor um stripped down recording and he invited us to do the next one like to do one in july mm. so i'm not sure what's going to come of it but you have the songs I do have the song, and that's what I mean. I'm like, oh, really? That's great because we skipped over all these songs, and it would just be great to just get just them all done. Yeah, bang that's them out all. In because month. then I probably wouldn't do another record for like five years. So, you know, necessarily, who knows? But I'd be happy with that. And I don't know if they'll be done properly. If they'll be, they'll probably be done at least as well as on Think You're So Smart, which was us just playing them. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, which has a nice. I'm hopeful. If it doesn't work out, then we'll just do this the same songs at some other time but it'd be nice to get them recorded mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's probably about 12 10 11 maybe 9 8 i don't know something like that that would be a good little record yeah so you're a pretty prolific writer then well, sounds like <laughs> people say that i don't know like it really does go in bur- bursts yeah like spurts it starts mm-hmm. so and, and that's the thing every time i write a song i'm surprised by it myself even I yeah i thought i was gonna write i don't care yeah, if always, I, I say i don't you always care think if it's I gonna don't. be the last yeah that's like that's like me. It's like this might be the last song I ever write. Yeah. I've been, I've I've only started to have that in the last year or so, where I'm like, where I feel like I don't write songs anymore, and then I'm like, oh, but like, there's all these new ones, <laughs> and they're my best ones. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I do think they're good. The best but ones I just, come. I guess maybe I'm not self-identifying the same way I used to with songwriting. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. How do you mean by that? Like, it's not as important to you? No, it's very important to me. But, like, but I'm now having that experience where every time I write a song, it's like a surprise. It's like, oh, Mm. I wrote a song. Instead of, like, of course, I write songs all the time. (laughs) Of course I wrote a song. Okay. So it's weird. My relationship has changed with it a little bit. Mm. I still really like the work I'm doing. So that's not the problem. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your songs as well. Do you uh, tour much? Well, now that I have this new record, I didn't tour with the Think You're So Smart, so I have quite a few copies of those, and I'm not even sure. That's the question now. With CDs becoming obsolete, how many to even press? Like, I don't yeah, think my CDs. Band, my I'm band not going to do vinyl. I'd love yeah. to do vinyl. Mm-hmm. Like, most people are doing vinyl, if anything, in, in a way. But Vinyl and digital. Yeah. CDs I do know. still sell, though. They do sell, and if you go on tour, which yeah. was your question. And I think I will do another little East Coast, even just as a duo. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I think that I'll sell them if I do that. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, it enables me to 
press a few copies, you know, and also take the all the copies I have of the other one with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta get rid of those. And I know yeah. if I tour, I will. And I just haven't, it's such a chore to like book it, but it's not that yeah. hard. I'm just, no. I had done it before and I had a lot of, a lot of fun like with the first two. You know, I got nothing. I made a thousand of the first two each and I mean, I don't have really any left. So that's good. That's that is from having toured around and, you know, mm. give them away, sell them, whatever. I just don't want to have boxes and boxes and boxes left in my yeah, I, I think I pressed, I think I pressed five hundred of the one of, of the second one that I made, and and I by the time I think I sold maybe three hundred, and I just started giving them away. Yeah, it's like I just don't want these things around anymore. Please take them. But you've got lots of time. <laughs> like you know, there's no point in giving them away either because mm-hmm. like if you get it, okay, think you about it. When someone gives you a CD, oh. you're less inclined to listen to it. You want someone to want Absolutely. it. Yeah, to ask you for it. You know, you can give it away, but have it be desired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, you guys must be tired. You've been having conversations all day. I have, we would be doing I this hate anyway. Conversations. I yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, with and with Jay, we just kind of we talked for like two hours after that. Too. We just hung out with him. Yeah, after we just hung we out with him afterwards. He's so. a good guy. He's really yeah, nice he's a good guy, guy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just want to make sure there's a. You have enough. You what? No, what do you want? What do you want to talk about? Like, well, yeah, because this is gonna. We, this, we do we can, have enough, so we we can stop now if you want. Well, but, I would um, just say, you know, if you're curious. If you like the songs you heard on the on the interview, the ones that you're singing yeah. and playing, um, to come and check out the band, because yeah. my bandmates really are so talented. Like a couple um, graduates from Humber Music, you know, Kate McLean. She's amazing on the drums and backup vocals. Like she's so great, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm by far the worst player in my band and that's how it should be i remember it <laughs> is how it should be the songwriter should always be the worst player in the band <laughs> i remember like grades well whatever high school i did do a little tiny bit of music in high school i played trumpet mm-hmm. until i got yeah, braces and then i, I got braces. braces and i had to give up the trumpet because it was insane right but i remember him always saying you're only as good as the worst player in your band and you'd always say that you know mm. yeah so but anyway, but I then but but then the role is a songwriter and like if maybe songwriting is your instrument yeah that's in a, in that's a way one, i always say to, to them to i'm like it. you guys are nothing without me <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna hear this <laughs> <laughs> well i say it to them so i think they All laugh right, well. they laugh behind my back no. <laughs> on okay, that note of you, you being the worst player in your band would you, would you like to play us a song sure i would <laughs> okay i will okay Okay, so, yeah, um, I would just preface this song with um, the, um, just by saying that Blue and Green is a jazz song written by Bill Evans and Miles Davis. It's on that album, Kind of Blue, which is probably like an album that, if there's one jazz album everyone should have, maybe it's that one. It's the most accessible jazz record. Anyway, so this song's about that song, or it's about music, or art, you know, beauty, it's called it's called blue and green Thank you. 
dry leaves lying reading underneath the tree When the sun is shining like you've never seen across the
Oh 